Hello, and welcome to the Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer, or Mid-East Soccer Podcast. I'm your host, James Dorsey. Momentous developments across Arab North and East Africa suggest the long drawn out process of political transition in the region as well as the greater Middle East is still in its infancy. So does popular discontent in Syria, despite eight years of devastating civil war, and Egypt, notwithstanding a 2013 military coup that rolled back the advances of protests in 2011 that toppled Hosni Mubarak and brought one of the country's most repressive regimes to power. What developments across Northern Africa and the Middle East demonstrate is that the drivers of the 2011 popular revolts that swept the region and forced the leaders of Egypt, Tunisia, Libya, and Yemen to resign not only still exist, but constitute black swans that can upset the apple cart at any moment. The developments also suggest that the regional struggle between forces of change and ancien regimes and militaries backed by the United Arab Emirates and Saudi Arabia is far from decided. If anything, protesters in Algeria and Sudan have learnt at least one lesson from the failed 2011 demonstrations. Don't trust militaries, even if they seemingly align themselves with protesters. And don't surrender the street until protesters' demands have been fully met. Distrust of the military has prompted an increasing number of Sudanese protesters to question whether chanting, the people and the army are one, is still appropriate. Slogans such as freedom, freedom, and revolution, revolution, alongside calls on the military to protect the protesters, have become more frequent. The protests in Algeria and Sudan have entered a critical phase in which protesters and militaries worried that they could be held accountable for decades of economic mismanagement, corruption, and repression are tapping in the dark. With protesters emboldened by their initial successes in forcing leaders to resign, both the demonstrators and the militaries, including officers with close ties to Saudi Arabia and the UAE, are internally divided about how to proceed. Moreover, neither side has any real experience in managing the crossroads at which they find themselves, while it is dawning on the militaries that their tired playbooks are not producing results. In a telling sign, Sudan's interim leader, Abdel Fattah Abdelrahman Burhan, praised his country's special relationship with Saudi Arabia and the UAE as he met this week with a Saudi Emirati delegation at the military compound in Khartoum, a focal point of the protests. Saudi Arabia has expressed support for the protests in what many suspect is part of an effort to ensure that Sudan does not become a symbol of the power of popular sovereignty and its ability to defeat autocracy. The ultimate outcome of the dramatic developments in Algeria and Sudan and how the parties maneuver is likely to have far-reaching consequences in a region pockmarked 
by powder kegs ready to explode. Mounting anger at, as fuel shortages caused by Western sanctions against Syria and Iran bring life to a halt in major Syrian cities have sparked rare and widespread public criticism of President Bashar al-Assad's government. The anger is fueled by reports that government officials cut in line at petrol stations to fill up their tanks and buy rationed cooking gas and take more than is allowed. Syria is here, an anonymous Facebook page that reports on economics in government-controlled areas took officials to task after state-run television showed, showed oil minister Suleiman al-Abbas touring petrol stations that showed no signs of shortage. Is it so difficult to be transparent and forward? Would that undermine anyone's prestige? We are a country facing sanctions and boycotted. The public knows and is aware, the Facebook page charged. The manager of Hashtag Syria, another Facebook page, was arrested when the site demanded that the oil ministry respond to reports of anticipated price hikes with comments rather than threats. The site charged that the ministry was punishing the manager instead of dealing with the real problem. Said Syrian journalist Danny Mackey, Syria is a pressure cooker. Similarly, authorities in Egypt, despite blocking its website, have been unable to stop an online, online petition against proposed constitutional amendments that it could extend the rule of President Abdel Fattah el-Sisi until 2034, from attracting more than 320,000 signatures as of this writing. The petition, entitled Batel or Void, is according to NetBlocks, a group that maps web, web freedom, one of an estimated 34,000 websites blocked by Egyptian internet service providers in a bid to stymie opposition to the amendments. Mr. El-Sisi is a reminder of how far Arab militaries and their Gulf backers are potentially willing to go in defense of their vested interests and willingness to oppose popular sovereignty. Libyan renegade Field Marshal Khalifa Belkassim Haftar is another. Mr. Haftar's Libyan National Army, or LNA, is attacking the capital Tripoli, the seat of the United Nations recognized Libyan government that he and his Emirati, Saudi, and Egyptian backers accuse of being dominated by Islamist terrorists. The three Arab states' military and financial support of Mr. Haftar is but the tip of the iceberg. Mr. Haftar has modeled his control of much of Libya on Mr. El-Sisi's example of a military that not only dominates politics, but also the economy. As a result, the LNA is engaged in businesses ranging from waste management, metal scrap and waste export, and agricultural mega projects to the registration of migrant labor workers and control of ports, airports, and other infrastructure. The LNA is also eyeing a role in the reconstruction of Benghazi and other war-devastated or underdeveloped regions. What for now makes 2000 different from 2011 is that both sides of the divide realize 
that success depends on commitment to be in it for the long haul. Protesters, moreover, understand that trust in military assertions of support for the people can be self-defeating. They further grasp that they are up against a regional counter-revolution that has no scruples. All of that gives today's protesters a leg up on their 2011 counterparts. The jury is out on whether that will prove sufficient to succeed where protesters eight years ago failed. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. A written version of this podcast is on my blog, The Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer, at mideastsoccer.blogspot.com. Please join me for my next podcast in the coming days. All the best and take care.